0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: So our series is very apropos to almost any generation, whether you're just starting out or whether you've been doing this thing a long time, we could all be instructed on what God has to say about money. Now to do that, I want you to know that my motivation is not as a pastor to try to wring more money out of you so that we could either survive as a church or to build a popcorn palace somewhere. Now my desire is that you would be vitally and intimately connected with God who Himself is a giver because He gave us the greatest gift of all, and that's the person of Jesus Christ, and with the person of Christ comes eternal life when we trust Him as Savior, so we're never more like God than when we're giving and when we're forgiving because God is a giver. Now, we're also trying to do it because I want it to be as simple as possible. There are people at all different levels. I've got brand new believers in here, new Christians in here. We have those that are still on their journey trying to figure it all out and are a little apprehensive, especially when you bring God and and bucks in this thing and you're wondering, is God a poor God and we have to support him or something? And then we have those that are seminarians. People have gone to Bible college, quality Bible colleges and seminaries and They're thinking, I want to get deeper than some of this practical stuff about funding. I kind of know all of that, and I, I know you might, and many of you are living the principles that you've learned, and I celebrate that, and maybe through some of the things that we'll be sharing, we'll equip you to help the next generation in a practical way. And so we have people all over the map. So today, what I want to do is shorten the message from last week, all right? Last week was a little bit longer message, and it needed to be because I needed to tie it all together in one meal. Today, this is a special kind of a meal. Yesterday, uh, we live in Kulio'o, kind of up a valley, and we're on east Oahu, and often the jets that are flying in from the mainland, sometimes during the day because of the air patterns and the flight patterns, they will fly right over the Kulio'o area in the mountains there, and so I happened to be in the backyard tuning it up, Carol was working back there, and so I looked up at this plane and it reminded me of the times that I would fly into Honolulu Airport, and as you're up high, of course, Carol and I, we don't always get a window seat. But we're trying to see if we can see our house. And of course, you can't see our little dot there, but we might be able to see one of the high rises there in East Oahu. And we're looking and we're trying to spot this and trying to spot that. And then as it circles around and we get closer to Pearl Harbor, we're now looking at the ships and we we see the, the, the Air Force base there. And then we know we're right near the airport. and We're looking at everything and trying to see where everything is. Well, I said that to say this. I want to take a few minutes to maybe give us a bird's eye view of God's mind on money on a theological plane, but I'm going to come quickly in for a landing because I want to give us a little bit more of a worm's eye view, and then I'm going to end today by being extremely practical, almost so practical that some of you will say that's almost way beyond a principle, but I want to give you some things that you can actually use when you go home and start paying your bills and start working on becoming financially free. So give me a moment for some of you to be challenged a little bit on the bigger picture of God. First of all, we know that God, and I'm going to kind of use him at the top of a triangle, that it's all about God. And of course, it's the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all about him receiving all the worship, and we're never more satisfied with God than we're worshiping him, and he's never more satisfied with us than when we love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and everything is all about him. And then from him, he then communicates to mankind. And he does that as we step down into a timeline. You have creation. We call that the beginning of the eternity of man. Now, again, there's eternity bigger than man. And then it goes all the way to eternity future. And during this time, God is communicating with man in such a way that would cause man to be able to see God and who he is. We often use those, a term called dispensations, a particular way that God will speak or deal with mankind, showing mankind how utterly lost that they are. And no matter what man might try to do, they can never connect to God apart from his grace. So he does it through the law. And he says, if you follow the law, you're still a sinner. You can do all these great things. You're still condemned. And it points you to Christ. You need a savior. He brings us into the church age and he blasts us with wonderful grace showing how much he really loves us. And then he moves into the time and in the future where that there'll be a wonderful kingdom that'll be set up on earth until that is then destroyed, showing that even when he lives on this earth with mankind, redeem mankind, there'll still be those that will not turn to God. And he starts it all over again. Those are called dispensations. Now in those dispensations, and he works with men, he is teaching them multitude of principles and commands and the ways of the Lord and judgments, etc. In all of that will be his mind on money. Now, the reason that is so important is because everything we do, somehow it is going to be connected to finances or resources because that's part of the commodity or the oil that keeps us greased and moving for his glory and functioning in this world. So he speaks Old Testament and New Testament. Now, when he does, though, we move into another biblical truth that's called progressive revelation. Progressive revelation means that he is revealing himself And a progress, a progressive way. It's starting here and it moves here and it moves there and it kind of branches all out. So if you chose just to grab one verse from one portion of Scripture, it may say something that's a little different from another portion of Scripture. People would say, well, that means God's contradicting himself. Remember, our topic is money. Old Testament, he talks about tithing. New Testament, he doesn't use the word tithing in there. It's used only one time. And it has nothing to do with giving as you would see it. And so that's called progressive revelation. But that does not mean, here it is, it does not mean that he's changed his mind about the concepts of principles regarding money. Now stay with me, and then we're going to get into eight of them real quickly. Here it is. When he does this, they are called supracultural principles. Supra. Cultural principles means that these principles will work in all different cultures, all different times. Now, this verse will be at this time, this verse will be at this time, but there are general principles about God that goes way beyond His dispensations, way beyond the different cultures. These are just principles about God. Now, if you're looking to do a deep study of those principles, as they would go from the beginning of the New Testament all the way through the time of the end of the age... The best book on that would be a book called Biblical Theology Concerning Material Possessions, written by Gene Getz. It is not a book for baby or namby-pamby Christians. It's not so difficult to understand. It's written in layman's language, but it is very thorough and very comprehensive, and I would encourage all of you to obtain a copy of it and add that to your personal library. I'm not going to be teaching through that book. But out of the many supercultural principles that are found in that book, written by an author that used tremendous research teams to divide up that study, to go through all the verses in the original languages, and then to balance it with systematic theology, he came out with these in a very definitive way. I went through the book, I've checked the references, I've looked at the verses, and I would have to say that I agree with him in probably 95, 98% of what he has to say. Now, all of that now is I'd like to just rattle through eight supracultural principles regarding funding. Remember, we're way up high. You can't see everything yet. We will come up for air for those of you that want some very practical teaching, all right? So let me go over eight of them very quickly for you. They're not in your notes. You can just listen. You can get them on a CD or download them off our uh, website uh, later on tomorrow, probably. Here's number one. A lot of this we've reviewed already, but again, for our guests. Our resources really aren't our resources but they belong to God. Everything belongs to God. Those are his resources. That's number one. Number two, we have been entrusted with money and material resources. So God says, it all belongs to me, but I'm now trusting them to you. Doesn't necessarily mean he just gave gave us the keys to the kingdom. In other words, he just says it's all yours and it's only yours and it's for you and you alone. He says you become now a steward or a manager of what I have. I'm entrusting you with material resources and money. Number three, we should be intentional about God's plan for investing them or using them. In other words, it would be as if you had a grandparent or a rich uncle who said, I really love you. You're part of my family. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you my credit card. And my credit card now is uh, like a bottomless pit. There's unlimited resources. And now what is mine is now loaned to you. And now you keep that credit card and you could use that credit card for anything that will, in a big picture, glorify the Lord and a little less big picture, to invest it for God's glory in such a way as to meet the needs of others. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So it all belongs to God. He entrusts it to us and we're to have it for a purpose. And the greater purpose isn't just for us to play with or to do war with, but to build with. The fourth principle is we will have to give an account for how we manage our money. That means once uh, he gives us this, then he's going to ask us a record to see how we spend it. It would be like we get this bill, the statement at the end of the month. He now wants to see that statement. And when he looks at the statement... That rich uncle now, he sees what you bought. He's going to ask you why you bought it. What was your motive behind what you bought it? What are you going to use that for? Because it's really his money, but he gave you his card to use it because he wants to see that you used it for the right reason. So you have to give an account of that, and so do I. The fifth is we will be rewarded or suffer loss if we weren't faithfully using it according to the glory of the Lord and the purposes that he would want us to use. So now that brings us to where we are here. I want to teach you these bigger principles because they connect to God. I want to teach you the general principles about money, but I also want you to know that whether or not you got these principles from me or not, you learn them from scripture, that's what I'm saying, we are still held accountable. It means like this, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Ignorance of the truth is no excuse. Now, will God show grace and mercy for us that may not know at the beginning? Yes, he will, but it's still the law of reaping and sowing, so we still have to come to that. All right, number six. Our pursuit of material riches is not a valid goal in of itself. In other words, we have all of this, our pursuit of getting more, that is our goal for our own selfish reasons, is not a reason for us to get well. And it's important to say in of itself because it doesn't say you can't work harder, work longer, do the right things, invest your money, and by that, that's part of the you give, you get back God says, I'll do that as long as your motives are right and you're using it for his glory. Number seven, again, much simplified. God gives us all of this these for two major objectives. One objective, the funding, the resources, is he says, I'm giving you this credit card. So number one, you will take care of the basic needs of your family. So God says, I will provide for you. Through my economy of what we're doing according to the principles, what I provided for you, and a whole lot more than what I'm saying here, so that you can take care of your family. So as a husband, I take care of my wife. If I have a family, I take care of them as well, my extended family. If I'm a single, I have my family, but often I am connected to the needs of my other family. Should they have a need and God has honored me with some extra, I'm to take care of them. Objective number one is your family. We'll talk more about that in another message. Number two, it is then to take care of the basic needs of others. So I said it's pretty simplified. It's your family and others. But it's not just I'm going to make sure that they have food, clothing, and shelter. They also have other needs than just physical needs. They may have some basic emotional or intellectual needs. Certainly they're going to have some spiritual needs that need to be met through truth and through body life and a spiritual walk with God. And so I have to help them, and sometimes funding will be a part of that. So God has given me two objectives in a practical way, and that is to take care of the needs of my family and spread that need out beyond just physical needs and the needs of others, ultimately to build His kingdom and to bring glory back to the Lord. And then finally, number eight is, God is far more concerned with our faith and how it's developing us from the inside outward and the inside upward than He is about merely finances. It's about a relationship with God that we have through what we're doing to bring honor and glory to Him. Often He will withhold things from us so that He would allow us that opportunity to do some self-introspection to see what do we need to do that might need to be changed. What are some things that we need to do to develop more trust? So all of it is to build a better relationship with the Lord. So finances still deals with an intimate walk with God. So it's about faith rather than money. Now, you need to know that there is a worldview and there is a biblical worldview regarding funding. Uh, In a very simple sentence or paragraph, uh, John MacArthur wrote in his commentary on Matthew the following paragraph, and I want to read it to you, but I'm going to read it to you twice. The first is I'm going to read it for those that perhaps are outside the faith. And then I'm going to read it for those who are inside the faith so you can understand a little bit of the tension between a secular worldview and a biblical worldview regarding our resources. Now remember, our plane has been up real high. We see the island of Oahu. Now we're starting to see some of the buildings. We're not ready yet to land. We're getting close to that. But I wanted you to see what we're having to avoid out there so we don't run into a mountain. So here's what he says. First of all, to those that are outside the faith... He comments this way. He says, Those who have no hope in God naturally put their hope and expectation in things they can enjoy now. Did you catch that? Those who have no hope in God, they haven't trusted Christ as Savior, they're going to just try to make earth a better heaven for them. All right, goes on to say, They have nothing to live for but for the present, and their materialism is perfectly consistent with their religion. They have no God to supply their physical or their spiritual needs, their present or eternal needs. So anything they get, they must get for themselves. They're ignorant of God's supply and have no claim on it, all right? because they're unsaved. God is only God. He's not their father. They're not their son. And so they're going to see this world as their world in which they live, and they're going to try to make it as happy and as best as they possibly can. So in other words, the world just acts like the world does because that's the nature of the world. Did you catch that? Nod your head if you got that much. Now I want to read this to you as if you're a Christian. Now, do you know that there are people that can truly profess faith in Jesus Christ and really have that walk with the Lord for a period of time, but maybe through a course of situations or just in a rebellion, they get their eyes off the Lord. That doesn't mean they weren't saved to start with, and it doesn't mean that they've lost their salvation. It just means that they have quit growing in the Lord. They have not really walked with the Lord, or they got their eyes off the Lord, and perhaps they begin to once again buy into a secular worldview. Some of you might know someone like that or had known someone like that or maybe it's someone like sitting in the same seat you're sitting in right now. You, it could have happened to me. We go through periods of that. Let me read it again because this is why you can look at a Christian and you think, man, they should have had it all together and they should and they could and they would. They got the power, they got the book, they got the reason, they got the teaching, they got the the family to help them, but they get their eyes off the Lord. So what do they do? Those who have no hope in God because they've chosen not to hope in God they put their hope and expectations in things they enjoy now. They got their eyes off the Lord. They forgot about how the Lord is going to guide them and direct them. And now they want what the world has, so they go after the world. They have nothing to live for but for the present. They forget all about the eternity. They forget all about that they have to give an account of how they live their life at the judgment seat of Christ, not to determine whether they go to heaven or not, but for the rewards that they'll get there. So they're perfectly consistent with, in this verse, religion. And, and the concept is they're perfectly, perfectly content in their new philosophy of life, even though they're a Christian. It goes on to say, they have no God to supply their physical or their spiritual needs. That's where I would take issue. They do have a God. They're just choosing not to go to Him. They're ignorant of God's supply and have no claim on it. They might be ignorant only because they forgot how good God really is. Now, that being said, now we're going to really begin to land the plane and become very practical. When I've given you these eight principles, some of you are now perhaps at a stage saying, I really do want to realign my life back up to what does God want me to do on a practical level. So I've, I'm putting together a three-point series, and we've already covered last week, how do we get our money? Today's topic is, how do we guard our money? In future weeks, I'm going to talk about what does the Bible really have to say about giving from a heart that's just generous to start with, regardless of money and resources. So we're going to talk about giving. That's another message for another time. Right now, what does the Bible have to say about getting? If you recall, over here on this side, last week I set up this little bucket over here. How many of you remember my bucket? Remember my bucket? Okay. And then I had nine little cups of water here. And those, that's for those of you that are listening and you're not here to be able to see this. In these nine little cups of water, I was really answering two questions. Why am I short of money? And then how could I get more money so that I could fill up my bucket that seems to be very empty? And I need to fill up my bucket with more finances because I have bills to pay. I have issues. I want to take care of some things for the future, whatever it might be. I need to put more in here, especially because I have a greater need. So the question is, why am I short of money? If you remember, we talked about why we're short of money. And I did it in a contrasting way. Stinginess versus someone who would be generous. All right. Well, instead of going the negative route, let's just talk about the positive. If I want to fill up this bucket, I don't don't want to be stingy. I want to be generous. So what I'm going to do is the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to own the fact that I can never outgive God. And that once I have a heart to give, God then says, you now need to have more to replenish what you've given. So he's looking for someone who's got a very generous heart. So he What do we do? We take our little bit of generosity and we start pouring it in. We start seeing how much we can now give to other people. And it becomes a great thing. Then we have people that come into our life and they remind us how that we need to be discerning. Discerning means to be very careful before we make a purchase. Be very careful of what we do. So we pour some more of the resources God gives us into our our bucket here for more resources. And then... We also know that we need to be open for someone to come alongside us, to teach us, especially when we might step outside the bounds. So we put in some more of this resources because uh, we're teachable and we come to sessions like this. We buy books on this. We go to counselors to help us. Well, that's not enough, so we also realize that we need to work a little bit harder, so we're a little bit more diligent, so we're tremendously diligent. We work harder and longer and faster to to get more money in there. Well, at the same time, I realize, okay, we have to be thrifty, so we tend to be even more thrifty as we do all of this. Well, that's not enough, so at the same time, we, we need to be truthful, because if we tell lies, we have a big problem when we lie. And when we lie, that could get us into trouble. We lose friends. We lose maybe our job over that. We could uh, even go to jail when we lie. So we have more problems. Well, if that doesn't work, we say, okay, I'm going to just uh, maybe take on a few extra jobs. So I'm going to work a little bit harder as I do that. Well,. <clears throat> I come alongside some of you, and you say, you know, Stan, if you were a little bit more creative, that might bring in some more money, maybe multiple streams of income. Maybe you could do some things to add to what you have, so you add more creativity to it. And then, of course, we realize as Christians, we can just ask God, and when we petition the Lord, we say, Lord, I really have a need. I'm your son, and would you take care of me? Would you provide this for me? So we do a lot of praying, and we add that to it as well. I'm sorry about my bucket over here. I really apologize. But... um." (laughs) There's one thing I didn't put here because these are things that we can do. There's something that the Lord does to us to provide for us on the getting of money or resources that has nothing to do with anything we do. And here's what it is. It's there are times in our life that we didn't do any of this stuff right here, but the Lord steps in and he just gives you something. Have you ever had a gift given to you that you did not expect? Three or four weeks ago, Carol and I were sitting here in church and They called us up to the front, and you all, or whoever it was in here, you decided that you wanted to give us a gift to go away to another island to stay at a nice hotel, and to have three or four days away just for for us for being here nine years and being married and all that, and which we're very grateful. We didn't ask anybody. We had no idea it was going to happen. We didn't ask the Lord for it. I don't think I worked for it. We certainly didn't deserve it. What did God do? He stepped in, and then he poured that into our life. Some of you young people especially, When you begin to graduate and you begin to go on to your life, you're going to find that people will be giving you gifts at certain times that you did not expect. They will give you that. Those of you that are in ministry, especially you missionaries that are listening to me now, there'll be times that people are going to give you something. You never notified them of a need. You never asked God. They just said, you know, the Lord laid it on my heart, and I don't know how that works, but I want you to have that. So there'll be times. But did you notice my problem I had with this bucket? You know what the problem I had? I have holes in the bottom of my bucket. All right. Now, I did this for a reason. I did it because I don't care how hard you work, how hard you pray, all the good stuff that you do, if you do not plug the holes in the bottom of your bucket, you can pour all this stuff in and it'll keep coming out and you still will not have enough to pour out to give, like we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. So, what you need to do is not get another bucket. You don't need to add any more cups. God gave you all that you need for him to provide for your basic needs of life and for others spiritually for his glory to build his kingdom. It's all there. The problem is it's not more of this that we need. It's not more seminars we need to go to. It just means we've got to figure out what are the holes in the bottom of our bucket that we need to plug. And that's where we are for today. So go back to your notes. and let me go through these pretty quickly, all right? How to guard your money. First of all, we need to pay our bills promptly. It's interesting that these passages of Scripture that we're looking at are coming from mostly from the book of Proverbs that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, prompted on the heart of Solomon, who was known as the wisest person who ever lived. No one was wiser before him, during him, or since then. It also said God granted him with so much honor and riches that at that time, it says, that he was the richest man in all the world. I thought that was interesting because it didn't say he was the richest man who ever, ever lived. It just said in that time. The rest of it, wisdom was more than anybody else. So he was the richest man at that time. So in your own mind, who do you think is the richest person in the world? And just put it in your mind. Who is that right now? Well, in this particular case, it'd be as if that person is now telling you how to plug the holes in the bottom of your bucket. And I'm thinking maybe that's how you can become rich is by following these principles. Just a thought. Just a thought. So pay bills promptly. Look at the verse here in Proverbs three twenty-seven and 28. It says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back, and tomorrow I'll give it to you when you have it today. Now, many of people, uh, you maybe, have um, you use your credit cards, and they allow you to extend past the month that it's due. We call it extend past the grace period. And they call it interest. You now pay interest. And on that interest that you have, you could pay a whole lot of money on that interest.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.